Hey, what's up, everyone? This week, I'm sitting down with Greg. Um, Greg is probably considered, uh, one would say, um, few of the fellowships would say that, you know, he's one of the elders. You know, he has plenty of experience, has a lot of sobriety behind him. And that shows, you know, like it shows in his wisdom. It shows in his, uh, his you know, like, um, I would say, well-taught words and well-taught um, everything he learned in his sobriety. And, you know, like that, I really enjoyed speaking and exchanging with uh, with Greg. Um, I don't want to spoil too much of the conversation we had. I'm just going to take a few seconds to tell you that, you know, like uh, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, I appreciate when you share it, when you give it a thumbs up, a review. Uh, you can actually uh, subscribe to both the Facebook page and the Instagram uh, Cold Turkey page. And so without further ado, and uh, uh, again, really enjoyed uh, speaking with Greg. So here's Greg. Enjoy. Hey Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you. Um, you you just told me that you were in the Boston region, and um, it almost seems like a mandatory question. Um, we're September 30th as we're recording that. Um, just so you know, here in Quebec, you know, like we, we we've got almost a hundred percent recon find again. It starts tonight at midnight, and um, people are losing their mind right now about all of that you know like it's a situation that people are pretty much losing their mind i know that you know like it's uh there's there's fragmented opinion it's a polarizing question you know like there's all kinds of um you know like it, 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 and you guys are a few weeks shy of you know like an election but i'm gonna have to ask you know like how, how is your pandemic mood going um right now so it hasn't really changed my life that much. I'm kind of a homebody anyway, um, besides um, missing out on physical meetings. Um, that's one thing that I definitely miss. But for, for myself and my family, um, I go to work, I come home, I exercise, and that part hasn't changed. But I'll tell you, life has changed dramatically because of it. Um, constantly having the mask on and having to wipe your hands and and just be so aware of where you're at and what you're doing. Um, and we take, I took for granted the, the liberties and freedoms I had and now having to think about it constantly, it's, uh, it definitely screws with you. And, uh, it, it puts a wet blanket on what was a, you know, previously a very good life and not that it ruined it, but it, it sure it made me think a lot about what was going on in the world. That's, you know, for me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Boston part of New Hampshire? It is, right? No, Boston's in Massachusetts. And ah, Hampshire, sorry about uh, that. You know, like, I, and you're right. Uh, yeah, because I was you're about to say, you know, like, it, it 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 would be. Uh, my God, you know, like it, it sounds like I'm I'm for sure it's Massachusetts, and I I, I should have known that, but um. Because you're you're next to New Hampshire, which the motto is, you know, like live free or die. So, you know, like it would have been kind of almost like obvious where you guys are siding on. But, you know, like I have to ask, you know, like, do you do you do you feel like the like the governor and like the, the authorities are siding more on the um 
you know, like giving you more liberty or being more cautious right now? In Massachusetts, we're definitely more cautious. And I recently came back uh, this weekend from Maine and New Hampshire, and they're wide open. There's hardly anyone wearing any mask or taking precautions. So it's, and their numbers are still low. Um, but our our population is of such it's so big that I think initially, um, before we were asked to quarantine, it spread pretty quick. Uh, but now with everything they've done, it's it's under control. Our numbers are excellent, and some of the best in the country. Awesome. So it and, is working. And one other thing you mentioned the you know like uh, missing the uh, physical meetings. Um, are you handling because I, I you know like it's no no secret that you know like I initially had a hard time um, doing it virtual. Um, are you handling the um, virtual meetings, or if not, you know like the the kind of, you know, like finding someone else to share with, you know, like all of that stuff. So we're attending Zoom meetings and uh, we did a whole lot in the beginning and that kind of dwindled down. Um, but my wife is also a sober alcoholic. Um, so we're handling it that we, we get to share every day. Um, but fortunately, uh, the town I work in um, has uh, plenty of sober alcoholics as well. So small mini meetings all day where I could just chat for five minutes with someone and keep in touch. Awesome. And, and have that. It's, it's got to be up front in my mind. When I wake up, I wake up an alcoholic and I go to bed an alcoholic. Yeah. And, you know, that's number one on the list is realizing if I keep that up front, uh, things usually go pretty good. Yeah. And, and you've got like your little uh, Bill and Bob microsystem right at the household. So that's fantastic. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's uh, flip back a few pages of that storybook, and and you you bring me to this, you know, kind of the introduction of all of this, you know, like you know, like bring me back to the family picture, you know, like your your upbringing, um, and you know, like what what you know, like it's usually the same question, like what was your first either you witnessing um, substance use that impacted you or your own? Um, where do we start that? Um, well, I'm the youngest of three boys, and since I was just enough younger, kind of witnessing them come to their teenage years and all, but my first real instance of uh, seeing alcohol was my father worked at a liquor store, and we had one car, so he'd get dropped off, and we'd go pick him up at the end of his shift, and being a you know four or five-year-old child walking into a store with just shiny bottles and nothing else... It, you know, you wonder as a kid, what is this store all about? And, yeah. you know, it, it, it stuck with me. And until the first time I started drinking and, uh, there was no real alcohol or drug abuse in my home with my parents, but I grew up in a neighborhood as such that it was mostly boys. There was a park at the end of the street and it was kind of, uh, you watch the older kids doing stuff and you want to kind of emulate them and, and see what they're doing and you want to try what they're doing. So at the, you know, the tender age of like 10 years old, uh, found a drink and, uh, shortly after found marijuana. Uh, and I, it, it really changed me. Do you remember that first time or, or was it just like part of you know, like a, 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 you know, like a high speed train going, you know, like, because, you know, like some, some, some people find that first drink quite memorable, you know, like on, on my own, um, I remember being drunk, like super young because I had like that, that typical bar 
you know, like, you know, like that bar in the basement, you know, like with those Christmas party and, you know, like I would empty like bottom of glasses, you know, like, so, um, right. my uncle knew that, you know, like if he, if he'd fill too much of the wine glass, I would have to take a few sip because I would, I would spill it. Um, so you, you know, like he did this all night. And so, well, you know, I think I was between five and eight, I'd say, you know, like, so you, you'd guess that by, you know, like by the middle of the the night, you know, like I was fucked up drunk, you know, like, and, and, and was, and then ended up being sick and, and whatever. Um, but for me, it's not, you know, like a, you know, like some people will describe, you know, like that first drink as, you know, like feeling the heat, you know, like all of that, you know, like being something being quite memorable. Do you have a similar experience to that? Or for you, it was just like, oh, at least I, I, I'm part of quote unquote, and you know, like, let's move on. I had a like a drink with intent at about ten years old. Uh, three friends and myself were at a house and found the liquor cabinet and just grabbed glasses and we didn't know what we were drinking, but everyone filled their glass with something different and we all chugged them down. And I remember that feeling of the burn going down, the warmth in your belly, and then just losing your mind because you're drinking straight alcohol as a child. And then, you know, feeling dizzy, rolling over, laughing and running around and then getting sick because, you know, you, you, you can't process it and you've drank so much and, and not getting in trouble. We did that. We didn't get in trouble. And you thought, when's the next time we can do this again? Yeah. And it's funny yeah. Yeah, because, um, you know, like that, you know, like I, I'd say some, some say, you know, like it's either, uh, out. I don't, I have a hard time translating that, but you're like, are you born with that gene or you're, you're actually, um, you know, like shown or taught, teach, um, and you know, like there's an expression for that, but, um, that being said, you know, like that, you know, like most of the people, and that's where I draw the difference between an alcoholic and, and the non-alcoholic is that some of the, the, probably some of your friends were scared shitless of throwing up, you know, and you know, yeah. never wanted to touch a drink anymore. Um, you know, I, I came hardwired as an alcoholic. I didn't, I felt I didn't fit in as a child ever, um, be it at school, at doing sports at home. I always felt like if there was a handbook for life that I missed out on the day they passed it out. I yeah. missed out on social cues and how to be with people and deal with people. I just always felt off and awkward. And when I found alcohol and drugs, I just didn't give a fuck anymore about how those things made me feel. It took me out of that. And yeah. uh, that was it for me because I didn't have to feel that way anymore. It was all about erasing the, the feelings that I didn't want to have to feel, be it good or bad. Yeah. And, and you suddenly, you belong to something, you know, like the, the drinking people, you know, like you. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. And there was, there was enough of us that, that I think felt that same way, whether they were alcoholic or not, I don't know, but it, it gave them something that took them out of themselves and allowed them to, to talk to girls or it allowed you to be, uh, you feel cool and part of, and in, in a, a time where I didn't feel that when I wasn't drinking and drugging. And it, it's a, such a social lubricant that, you know, like if you, you, if you, you just a bit introvert, that shit makes you, well, not weed because you know, like you, you, you said that, you know, like not, not, not too, um, 
long after you know, like you found weed, which for me was just like, okay, let's shut the door down, lock it, lock it up. You know, like just I don't want to see anyone. You know, like if I, I if I was you know like unfortunate unfortunate enough to just um, smoke a joint and go to a club, I would feel like shit. You know, like not all paranoiac right away, but you know, like just like feeling so out of place. But alcohol was a different story. You know, like, hey, let's party people. Let's call the shots. You know, like, you, you belong. So, you know, like, it's just, it's such a social lubricant that um, if you, you've you just, uh, you know, like a tiny bit introvert, this shit is the bomb. <laughs> magic, the magic elixir, as they say. Yeah, it is. It is. And so um, you said that you found weed, you know, like not too long after. Um, was it pretty much like the same motivation of being of belonging and being part of? Yeah, because the same people I hung out with, all, we all kind of did the same thing, and, and it started with those two. And for me, if I if I drank and smoked weed, uh, it took me to a place that I felt comfortable. Even though you know I did get paranoid with smoking weed, it, it didn't really matter to me because it, it took me out of my head. But not long after, you know, fourteen, I found cocaine. And by 15, uh, you know, we're into uh, mescaline acid. And basically, I was just a, a trash barrel for everything. And uh, besides heroin, uh, whatever came my way, I was taken. How, how did, um, you know, like the, or I, I always pretty much ask that question, you know, like what your first external figure of authority is school right? You know, like you, you know, like you have, you know, like the, yeah. The, how was uh, how was school? <laughs> well, uh, the real first authority uh, at school because I went to uh, private Catholic schools um, through uh, grade at one through grade eight, and then I went to um, a private high school for the first two years. It did not go well. Um, because I, I bucked authority. Whatever I was told to do, I did the opposite. I was a loud mouth. I was a class clown. I wanted to fit in some way, but I, you know, I wasn't drunk or high at school until seventh or eighth grade. And uh, so I stuck out in the wrong ways. I, I always heard, oh, if he only applied himself, he'd do well. But I didn't want to be there. Yeah. So, <clears throat> pardon me. I went uh, to a Catholic high school. And I went freshman and sophomore years and was uh, kindly asked to leave uh, because I was wasting their time and my parents' money. And I'm 15 years old and I'm already a train wreck. Um, I'm drinking all the time and I'm taking drugs every day. <clears throat> so it uh, it did not go well for me. And I, I got spoken to plenty of times by both my parents and they were very concerned and and what are we going to do? And for me, I, I still wanted to have the lifestyle I was living. And uh, I just went underground with it. Excuse me. No problem. Um, <clears throat> so I continued, but I would uh, take Visine for my eyes and I would I would come in late to avoid, you know, seeing my parents. And so it never really changed for me. It just it just kept on and on and on. And it got worse because the amounts got worse. And um, I got into dealing and uh, 
you know, so it, it, what what happened is you took a basically a, a nice normal kid who was an altar boy at church and uh, played baseball, and uh, you know, I walked out the door one day and I, I left that kid, and he kind of died, and this other kid was born uh, who wanted nothing to do with any of those things. All I wanted to do was be with my friends and. And we called it, yeah, you partied, you drank, you got high, you took drugs and, and didn't care about much else in the world. Even even your parents must have not recognized you, especially if you don't like it. You come from being an altar boy to like <laughs> a mess. <laughs> oh, I, I grew my hair out long. By the time uh, I graduated, I had a giant mullet. It was spectacular. It was just a total transformation from the son they knew and they didn't know how to handle it. You know, it's uh, unfortunate. Wow. <clears throat> and um, so, you know, like, so that's, that's one relation with authority. Um, I guess, you know, like, so, so what happened, you know, like how, you know, like, was there any breaking point like even with your family or with school? Well, I, I transferred to a public high school where all new friends and they were uh, they were on the same page as I was. There was even more drugs and alcohol at that public high school. And it, it I stayed back a year. I went to summer school every year. It just get worse and worse. I, I, you know, I couldn't keep a job, even though I wasn't really trying. Um, but I tried to keep it underground i tried to hide that from all the authority in my life that being my parents and it lasted i thought i was keeping uh keeping it hidden um, but the time i was about just around 22 years old is when they approached me you know i was sat down and you know geez you're a, you're a train wreck uh, look at yourself you're, you're all messed up and this was coming from a, a girlfriend my parents and friends and they said you have to do something about your problem and uh so someone suggested that i go to the halls of aa and uh i just to get people off my back because i i don't like confrontation and i didn't like it then i still don't i said fine i'll i'll attend some meetings i'll find out what it's about but for a, a 22 year old and i say kid because i was a child still at that point i mean i wasn't mentally growing i was all I was all messed up on drugs and alcohol. I, I went and I didn't relate to a lot of older people in the scene that was there. So uh, I went to NA instead and uh, I did find some success. And I was actually, I stayed uh, drug and alcohol free for three years. I had nothing in my system from 22 to 25. And, uh, But all I did was I put things down. Like there was, there was no program. There was no recovery. There was no mention of steps. I just took those things out of my life. Uh, but life did get better for me just by doing the bare minimum. Uh, but I was angry. Um, still wasn't doing well socially. Uh, you know, I just didn't have a clue to how things went. And just And not finding, my guess is just not finding the, the peace of mind and you know because it, it was all on like the breaks right yeah it, it was just uh as the, the the phrase is white knuckling you're just holding on so tight just to, to stay clean and sober 
that I didn't see the bigger picture that there's a way to recover and there's a way to uh, not feel that way and still be sober. You don't have to, you know, numb your feelings and take yourself out of your mind. And like it only lasted three years and someone, you know, someone asked me if I wanted to drink and I said, well, absolutely. You know, sure. Why not? Because I had no defense against that first one. You know, I hadn't been put in that position in three years, but when it came time to, to actually say no to someone I don't want to drink, I picked up. And uh, and it's unfortunate because, you know, I already had the, the foundation for what could have been, um, but there's no regrets for it. Uh, I am where I am today. But it took me uh, almost another 18 years to find my way back into the halls of AA. Jesus, that's that's a long time, right? Yes, it was. Do and, you uh, remember that, you know, like you, you're either, because, um, you know, like relapsing, I think, you know, like one thing that I find quite dangerous about relapsing is the fact that, you know, like you, you either feel that you now know all the tricks and so you're almost running away from it. And, I, and yeah, it, I, I understand that. And it almost makes you bulletproof because, you know, like you're being told so much that you could die relapsing. Um, yeah. That if you survive it, quote unquote, the time it lasts, you feel like you're invincible. And uh, I thought I knew how to drink before. So when I picked up again, uh, I was on a tear. I was just, it was ugly. It was ugly from the start. Um, and picking but, up on last time. Yeah, you got that right. Like, hey, I'm young. I'm 25. What am I doing not drinking? This is, this is what I got to make up for here. Yeah. So, it, but in that time I was uh, sober, I had gotten a decent job because I could pass a drug test. So I was making good money. I, I bought a home. I had all these things. I had, I had trucks. I had uh, vacations and all the material items that money gets you. And I convinced myself, I, I can't be an alcoholic because alcoholics don't have homes and yeah. do all these things. And I justified everything. I rationalized in my own head. Can't be me. I was probably just a heavy drinker. I'm not an alcoholic. And believe those lies that I told myself. And again, you know, like it, you know, like there's, there's so many positions on, you know, like the, the danger of relapsing, you know, like, so, you know, like what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. Well, fuck off. You know, like, I don't believe that, you know, like I, I you know, like the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, like it can kill you and, um, it's, you know, like you, you, you get either closer to those doors of death or hospital or jail, or you, you know, like you, you, you wake up, you wake up before, but it's not, it's not about, you know, like, um, I found that, you know, like some of the people that have relapsed is it, it has made them because if like the back in their head, you know, like they can recite some of the, you know, like some of the wording and some of the literature and, and use that as an excuse for not stopping again and you're like no 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 no, you got it upside down here <laughs> you know, like the, it, you know like it's um it makes them like like wise ass and um it's scary um because it it yeah it, it almost reinforced and you said it you know like the justification of you know like being too young and 
and I, you know, like it's funny because I, I spoken to people that one of my closest friend has stopped, I think he was 17 and you know, like, so he had to go to prom sober <laughs> and there wasn't anyone in any of the meeting rooms he attended that was his age because he was so young. Yes. But I had to, you know, like, so, so when I hear someone saying, you know, like I've, I, I stopped and quit at 30. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, like that it's, um, and sometimes, you know, like you almost regret, um, not having thought of it sooner and, you know, like, so, so it's just, you know, like the age excuse is, is something that makes me smile a bit, you know, like it's, uh, and I get it, you know, like at the same time, you know, like my wife is, my wife is a non addict and, you know, like she's, um, sometimes she looks at me, she's like, well, the guy's 20, you know, like, you know, like 20, you party. I'm like, no, you don't get it. You know, like party equals bad things for some people, you know, like. <laughs> we call it partying, but it, the part, if it's, if it doesn't stop, it's not a party. Exactly. Party's supposed to come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> and, know, so um. So you, you, you were on the tear for a few years, you said. So I went from, uh, you know, not drinking to, to drinking every day and, uh, and rationalizing it all. And my life became that uh, merry-go-round of the same thing every day. Go to work, make the money, come home, drink the way I wanted to drink. And, you know, I, I, w I wasn't with any, anybody at that point. And, you know, I had no controls on me. There was no one really telling me what to do. Um, that little house I bought, I lived there for 14 years, but most of it was with in and out relationships that didn't last very long. Cause when people either cared about you or questioned your drinking, they were gone. And it, you know, it just got to be this, uh, like the movie groundhog day. Every day is the same thing over and over and over. And, uh, you know, I didn't see it while I was in it, but after the fact, I look and go, you know, it was just years of, uh, of misery and torture because I was just running away from feelings and just stuffing them down with alcohol. Uh, and it went that way for well, from 27 till I was about, uh, 35. And by that time I was just not really eating a whole lot, losing weight. And I was drinking, uh, black Russians, you know, just all booze. And uh, having a handle full of uh, wild turkey 101 in the freezer for when you come home and, you know, throw some shots back. And what happened was at 35, I, I came down with mono. And uh, for a 16-year-old kid, they can bounce back pretty quick. But for a 35-year-old man, it's actually life-threatening. I, I went to the doctor. I had a 103 fever. Um, my gut was swollen as, as hard as a rock. Um, my liver was extended. Um, all my blood work was horrible. I had a case of thrush, which is a, a fungal infection in your mouth and your nose. And uh, so I, the lady in the ER was like, you know, we know you drink because you know, we got the results back and you're probably not going to tell us. But I can tell you this, if you're 35 years old and you're in the condition that you're in, she goes, you keep drinking, you're just going to kill yourself. And it's not going to be pretty. So I kind of took that to heart. And uh, it, it did scare me. It scared me enough that I told her, while I'm getting better, I'm going to quit. I'm just not going to drink. And I'll get healthy again. 
and it took me almost 12 weeks to get, you know, back to feeling okay, where I didn't sleep uh, every two hours and I could actually get off the couch. And, and the horrible thing was when they sent me home, I didn't drink and I had mono, I had a, a, a fever for a week and I was detoxing without any help from anybody. You know, you live alone and uh, I wasn't eating or drinking and I had hallucinations. I was hearing things. I was seeing things. Which is delirium tremens, right? That's uh, It was just god awful. And I had no idea what was going on. And I didn't realize I was detoxing as well as being sick. So, you know, when I got better, I said, geez, you know what? I had quit before. Maybe, I, maybe I'll try this not drinking thing again. And I had some success, but I didn't go to any meetings. I just, I just didn't drink. But I had a lot of help from marijuana <laughs> because while I wasn't drinking, I picked up that much harder on smoking weed. And, you know, I was smoking an ounce of weed a week just myself. So, yeah, I, I was just uh, changing seats on the Titanic. I, I just put down the booze and, and picked up something else and other drugs. And so I kept, I kept it going and kept it going thinking I'm being healthy. And, uh, just like before, after three years of not drinking, someone asked me, would you like a beer? And I said, of course I will. Absolutely. <laughs> All you without, need is an offer. All you need is an offer. <laughs> and without giving one moment's thought to what I had been through, and how I felt and how sick I was, that was completely erased. Those memories, those thoughts, everything that had happened didn't even come to mind whatsoever. Just, sure, I'll have a drink. And if I thought I knew how to drink before, this time it writ, I mean, I was off the rails. And uh, I, I just, I was at that point barroom drinking morning drinking out of control and uh no one could tell me anything i was just self-justifying i thought i was smart I'm, I'm i'm rationalizing everything i do and i why would i do this why would i harm myself I, i'm and protecting my right to drink because i was a full-blown alcoholic and i didn't know any better and anyone that tried to get close and tried to help they were gone I just eliminated from my life. So there was no one in your life, actually. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I lived 15 minutes from my parents, and I would go months to half a year without seeing them, talking to them, I missed holidays, missed birthdays, just not caring, you know, because I know, hey, they'd give me some shit about what was going on. Why bother going over there? And uh, as for relationships, like I said, I'd get into one, and They'd either start to care about me or they'd question my drinking and then, boop, you were out. I don't want feelings. I don't want the good feelings or the bad feelings. So out the door they went. Just to re If you ever watched that uh, sitcom, Two and a Half Men, I was like Charlie Hopper. I was just the guy that drank and womanized and spent and, and didn't give a care for anybody else but himself. And uh, it went on for, you know, quite some time. It wasn't pretty. I can only imagine looking at myself at that point, uh, how disgusting it was. Um, so, fortunately for me... How long did it last? 
Well, I was at that point in my life uh, still dating through woman after woman. And someone uh, I went to high school with found me on Facebook. And she had just recently been divorced, and she asked me how I was doing, how my life was. And, of course, I said, things are great. Things are fine. Yeah, and we, what a fucked up yeah, question to ask. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and we started hanging out. I dare you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we started hanging out, and, uh, you know, we started dating. And uh, on our second date, she poured a, a tumbler like a big, tall bar glass full of rum, almost to the top, with a splash of Coke on it. And she says, I hope you don't, make, uh, you don't mind me making them like this. This is how I like to drink. And, and I, I said out loud, I'm in love. Because this woman drank the way I drank. And it was heaven. Two alcoholics getting together. And uh, she never questioned me. I never questioned her, and we dated for 13 months, and we drank and drank, and, you know, it's it's bliss when you don't have to think about um, someone giving you uh, the shit for what you're doing, that you're just living your life. But she was right there with me. She was drinking the same way. She was having her own drug problem, and uh, it went on fantastic. And then what happened is... Uh, one day, um, I was supposed to be going camping with some friends, and I got the day off, and I was packing the car and getting ready to leave in the afternoon, but really, it was just an excuse to stay home and drink all day, so when I left at three in the afternoon to drive to Vermont, I was already legless drunk at three in the afternoon, and the only reason I could drive is because I could sit, and... uh while driving up to New, uh, Vermont, I rear-ended a car. I destroyed my car. The giant rum and coke I had made myself splashed all over the interior of the car. I pulled over, and and uh, he pulled over. So no one called the cops. He didn't call the cops, and I wasn't about to. <laughs> and we sat on the side of the road for a while. And wondering what to do because my car was destroyed and, and his car wasn't, it was barely, barely any damage whatsoever. And the guy says to me, uh, hey, I got AAA. I can get you towed home. Hmm. <laughs> so, so the guy pays for my his AAA to get my car towed. And I go off without any consequences and continue to go camping for the weekend. And I got a call from my girlfriend, that, that woman, that night. And she says, I hope you're having fun with the boys. Um, I'm going to detox. So. Oh, shit. Okay. So she so, realizes before you. Yeah. Oh, she did. She uh, absolutely did. So when, when she said that to me, I was so caught off guard. I had no idea what to think or what to do. It's like, I go, I know I have a problem. But then here she is, and I, I couldn't see beyond my own nose. So she's doing something for herself. She is, she is sending herself to detox, and uh, I, I was just dumbfounded. And I kept trying to drink and drink, and I couldn't. Like, I couldn't shut my head off. No matter what I did, the drinking just stopped working. I was drunk from the neck down. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I couldn't, I couldn't get in that place anymore. And she went to detox for 11 days. And when she got out, she said to me, you know, I don't care what you do with your life, but I'm, I'm doing the right thing for me and I'm quitting drinking. And if you're going to drink, you can't be in my life. And it just kind of hit me. I, it was like a mirror to my face. I realized for what I was, I'm an alcoholic and it, it wasn't her saying I'll leave and me trying to get her back. It was the self-realization that I have a problem. I need to take care of my problem. If I'm going to live and never mind being with anybody, just to, just to survive because uh, the way it was going, I was circling the drain. So, uh, few days later, I decided to uh, put the plug in the jug, and I quit as well. And uh, three days ago, on September 27th, that was my 10-year anniversary. So that was December 10th, uh, December 27th, 2010, and uh, both of us recently just celebrated 10 years. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but on the flip side, it has been the most rewarding and has given me back more than I ever could have asked for. It's, uh, Can you describe those, you know, like, especially if, it, you know, like it's pretty much under the pressure of um, someone you love, right? You know, like, which is a bit different than, you know, like waking up in the hospital or, you, you know what I'm saying? You know, like it's, it's um, you know, like the first few weeks must be tough. <laughs> you know, like because uh, you're you kind of you know like probably biting your tongue because you're actually doing it to please someone you appreciate and then you know like have affection for. Um, unless and, and then correct me if I you know like I may be wrong here, but you know like I'm just wondering. Well, she she came out of that with um, with AA on her side, and she was going to run her own program and, and do what she needed to do for her own recovery. And but what happened for me is, you know, it brought me back to when I did quit when I was a young man, when I did quit when I was 22. And, you know, the realization that if I had a problem, then I was an alcoholic then. And, you know, I if I wanted to have a quality life, if I wanted to live, if I wanted to have any kind of uh, if I wanted to go on in life, I needed to face it and I needed to do it for myself. So it, it, it was teamwork from the start for both of us. Uh, we started going to meetings together every single day, and we went every day for almost three years together. Um, we weren't apart. We sat together. We, we went together. We talked about it. We met people. And this isn't truly the case for so many people. They, I hear that um, couples meet, as they say, on campus. You know, they meet each other at meetings, but... No, we, we went to high school together, we drank together, and then we got sober together. And It's kind of a rare thing to happen, but we still have that bond today. We still, we aren't each other's sponsors. We take care of our own programs, but we do share that tight bond we had getting sober together, um, which has been invaluable. I mean, I could not put a price on, on what we both do for each other. In sobriety, I'm truly, truly grateful and blessed that that's the way our story went down. And I guess you know, like you must embrace, and and almost like it's almost a challenge to both understand what you guys read here at the same time. You know, like you need to follow 
want each other to, you know, like where, where you're at and let's say the maturity of your, your sobriety, right? Yeah. Uh, so for both of us, we're, we're usually not always together on that same page. There can be days where we're, we're both having a great day or there are days where we're both having a bad day, but it's, it's far and few in between. We're both having a bad one. We can balance each other out. Um, one's having the bad day, the other one's having a good day, and we can we can talk things through. Um, communication, huge, is this, the discussion of of feelings. Of, of all those feelings I stuffed down for my entire life, I now get to deal with them, but I get to let them out and share them with someone who can who can validate for me and say, "Oh yeah, you're you know you're okay feeling that way. It's it's you're not wrong. You're not." You know, you're not unjustified to feel anger or to feel that shame or that or that anger, whatever you're having, uh, and bounce it off each other, and and to do it sober and to get through it sober, and uh, each day you grow a little more from that. Uh, it's, uh, I I had never if I had heard myself talking like this when I was drinking. <laughs> I would have laughed in my own face. I would not have only said, that you would have you you know, like you, you'd be you'd be on your you know like you you you'd uh, be on your nerves. You're know, like you'd be hitting on your nerves so much. You'd say, "Shut the fuck up!" Yeah. You're know, like you, you fucking you, poser. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking poser. Yeah, yeah. You found it's, freedom. It's exactly. Yeah. Sure enough. Let's chug that shit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I surprise myself. So the same. You're know, like. That surprised my same as this, you know, like I get it, and you know, like, and, and what when you know, like, it's no secret, but you know, like, my son is, you know, like, he, he's he's in it right now, and you know, like, I there's nothing, you know, like, if there's something I've learned is that there's nothing you can say, there's nothing you can say, yeah. you know, like, the, you, you have to find, you know, like, your, your, your you have to find your, your motivation, your reasons. Uh, and and the, um, the, the you just said it, Greg. You know, like the, you know, like you you you'd listen to you ten years and a few days ago, and would say, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah. You know, like when when I first my first year, when I hear someone say, "Oh, today I am joyous, happy, and free," and I really go fuck yourself. Because yeah. how are you feeling that way? Because I was coming out of my own skin. I was just such a raw nerve and didn't know how to deal with all these things that would pop up. And I thought I was the only one. I'm so unique. But I didn't realize that everyone in the room was there for the same issue. Um, we, we're also both blessed that on the North Shore here, AA is huge. It was uh, we're so grateful to meet the people right away that we did. But, you know, you could you could go to three meetings a day easily. And if you didn't want to get to a meeting, it's because you were lazy. There were at least three a day just in our surrounding town. So for us, it was very easy just to dive into the, the entire uh, fellowship and uh, and become part of it. But boy, it, like I said, it was tough, though, because a lot of times you're just holding on to your seat and and just kind of gripping, like, I don't want to drink, I don't want to drink. And day after day, you know, one day at a time, it, it slowly changed. And it, it got to the point where I, I had a couple moments of gratitude or or felt okay that I wasn't drinking. And 
you know, little bit by little, little by slow, these things happen for us. And sometimes you feel ashamed sharing that. And sometimes you feel ashamed sharing with your wife or your close ones or even your sponsor. You know, like I, I, I go so hard on, you know, like on a drink right now, you know, like it's, mm. it almost feels like, um, it, it makes me think of, um, I, I used to go like a few hours from, from Montreal to a meeting because it was a, they, they'd call this an interactive discussion meeting, which means that, um, so you'd be sitting at the table, I'd be sitting at the table. And while, you know, like after a few weeks, I was starting to, you know, you Greg. So for, you know, like if I felt that during your kind of the discussion part, when you were sharing, I felt that you were bullshitting. The interactive part is that I could interrupt you and say, that's bullshit, Greg. <laughs> you're never, you know, like you're never like that. You know, like, so it was an interesting two hours of meetings because sometimes it was all about, um, for example, you know, like I, we hear way too many times, well, you know, like I, I, I know 10, 12, 15 relapse and coming back and the guy takes his newcomer chip and say, well, I'm going to try this time. Well, during that meeting, I could stop him and said, stop fucking trying and stop. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so that was, that was a phenomenal meeting. You know, like I love that meeting. I have great affection for that meeting. Shout out for the Sherbrooke meeting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but that said, uh, I would do an after meeting with a guy called David. Shout out to David again. Um, and um, we would do after meeting and he was telling me that he would go, he had more time than I did. And he would talk about um, going to all-inclusives vacation and asking for no alcohol in his drink and spitting it back when it, you know, like they made the mistake of putting alcohol in his drink or right. he would, he would misplace, you know, like his wife's drink, which wasn't an alcoholic and, and him and his and, 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 and spit back. And I was like, fuck off. You know, like you don't spit it back. You know, like I don't, I, I, not that I hadn't, you know, like I, I probably had a few years, maybe two, three years, but I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, if it's in your mouth, fuck you. You know, like it's, it's, it's you're not spitting down, it. Right, yeah. Fuck off. You know, like I, I, my mind, my head couldn't wrap around that concept at all. And, um, well, fast forward a few years later, I go in, I don't know, Dominican Republic or whatever. And you're know, like, you spend all week, you know, like sin alcohol, sin alcohol, which means no alcohol in your drink. And, um, well, next thing you know, you know, like they, they, they forgot or, you know, like whatever, and I surprise myself. I'm I'm shocked at myself spitting spinning it back <laughs> um, in the drink, and it's like, oh fuck, they've put alcohol in, and uh, my wife panics. You know, she's like, oh shit, you know, like, are you okay? Are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, but it's just, it, I started laughing. I'm like, it's so hard, you know, like it's so odd that, um, and that was while being sober. So, you know, like for sure enough, you know, like you say, I was, you know, like you hear a lot of people say, I envied, um, like my first few days of therapy, um, you're all, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a close therapy, you know, like 21 days and you're always suspicious that, you know, like some, most of the, 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 um, the individuals responsible for the therapy are sober themselves, right? You know, like they come from addiction and, and so on. And you're almost suspicious, like, ah, nah, that can't be, you know, like you can't be one of these, you, you can't be one of ours or one of us, you know, like it's, it, it's impossible. And so it's the same thing when you, you attend the first rooms, you know, like the first meetings, you look at people and people say, I, I envied 
kind of the light in their eyes and you know like their big smiles and, and the laughter, well, I was more the yeah, laughter I, in those rooms was, yeah but was i was I, I actually was more suspicious than envying it i was like wow fuck off yeah almost <laughs> like it's a setup like all these people were placed there to to yeah. maybe get you yeah that's how that's how much we think of ourselves that ego 50 people were set up to make me feel better <laughs> or <make> ego me- <laughs> it's so funny because you know like sometimes i have I, I i must humbly admit that i have relapsed around you know like the um, what have i done to the world kind of expression right you know, like what you know like why is like I don't know, like you, you spill a drink, you break, you, you break a, a, a shoelace and, you know, like, and it all happens before you leave work, right? You leave for work, you know, like, so, you know, like cereal bowl falls, you, you spill a drink and then, you know, like you, you, you go to tie your shoes and you know, the fucking shoelace break and you go into kind of that small egocentric relapse of why is the planet you know, like against me now, you're like, <laughs> can't anything go right today? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's funny because it's, um, that was 24 seven before I stopped using, just thinking uh-huh. that life was against me. Yeah. Um, so you cannot, you know, like you, you, it's easy to understand that, you know, like you're almost suspicious of pe- seeing people being so happy and, and so, well, they seem happy, and you're like, that can't be. You know, like life is so shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely um, and it, it it makes me just you know reflect on you know like there's nothing you can tell someone that's um actively using. You know, like there's nothing that can be said, you know, like the, all you can say is, you know, like when, when you're ready, I'm going to be here, you know, and, um, and that's pretty much what happened to you, Greg. Yeah. So it, it after a few years and, uh, and feeling and better about myself, uh, it, it did, it slowly became a, a bit easier. And, uh, so I'm, I'm also proud to say that it's been 10 years of, of putting nothing in my system. I've had back surgery last year. I've had broken ribs. I had knee surgery. I took nothing but Advil and, and ice because uh, that's the kind of uh, alcoholic and drug addict I am is I don't know the difference between one or another, whether a doctor prescribes it for me or whether I, I got it on the street or I grabbed a bottle and I can't put anything in me because it flips that switch and I'm on and it messes with my mind and I don't, I don't even want to go down that street. I, I don't take, I don't recommend it. I mean, I, I probably suffered needlessly, but to me it was worth it because I didn't have to go through the head games of, of, uh, coming off something because I, Oh, I had a little pain from my operation and I took the drug and now I'm playing those mental fucking games in my head about, ah, you can, yeah, you're still in pain. You may need another piece of, yeah, take another one. I did the same. I did the same with Dayquil. Once. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know, like, oh, oh, no spoon, no issue, no problem. Glug, glug, I mean, just, glug. <laughs> just a just a sip, you know? And uh I was I was actually sober. It's just that at some point I realized that it, I I wasn't buzzed, but I was clearly going down that route. 
And I was like, what, what are you doing? What, you know, like, so, so I, I'm, I'm like you, Greg, right. You know, like to this day, I'm being careful with everything. I've heard, I've heard people, you know, like losing their shit with, um, you know, like, like these nasal sprayer for when your, your, um, when your, your, your breathing is stuck, um, whatever, you know, like the, those little nasal sprayer that, you know, like you put in your nose and Ugh. I've heard people losing their mind just on that. So, you know, I, I can't, you know, like I, 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 I'm, I'm the same, you know, like I, I, I'm, I, I am careful with, well, I've thrown up candies for fuck God's sake, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I listened to your last podcast and you ate the bag of candy and I completely relate to having that of, uh, well, it's it's a single serving size. They put all that in there, and of course, I'm going to eat yeah. a bag of candy. Why wouldn't I? And uh, but addiction comes in so many ways. Um, my wife also uh, she quit cigarettes eight years ago, but before she did, she smoked like crazy. Or like for myself, I would overeat and then I would stop eating and go the other way, or I'd exercise to the point of ridiculousness and. Um, so no matter what it is, it's trying to find the balance in life where we don't have to go so far over the edge with one thing, seeking relief, because that's all I was trying to do is seek some form of relief from yep. what I was thinking and feeling. And uh, Yeah, and I, I, I'm going through um, somewhat of a rougher patch these, these past um, few weeks and months um, for some weird reasons. Anyways. That's, that's, this is the unimportant part. (laughs) The important part is that, you know, like I was training this morning and I finished myself off on extra training. So I have like a scheduled training and I was like, nah, 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 let's sweat it out a bit more. (laughs) And I knew that I was, you know, I guess I'm prone to back pain. I'm prone to back problems. Um, And, you know, like I knew it. You know, like that I could have hurt myself. And I was like, wow, well, fuck it. You know, like I, I, I need to. And you just said, you know, like it's just relief. You know, like you, you need to find a way. And, and again, in, in parallel to that, um, and I, I say this so many times, but this makes me the, um, <laughs> I'm going to say humbly, but this makes me the lovable and the enjoyable person that I am. Because sometimes I'm 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 quite passionate about some of this stuff that I that I'm doing, um, and my wife just loves that. Um, it allows us to be our true self, our true character, and if that's part of who we are, it's undeniable yeah. that if I can be very grumpy at work, I can be a, a stickler for things have to be a certain way and the rules of the rules, and let's let's get things done and. And you know what? I don't try to change that in myself because I don't think I think it's a, a plus that yep. I, I'm allowed to to find who I really am and become who that person is. And if people don't like it, tough shit. Go fuck yourself because I'm going to be me. And if I'm not out, to, if if my intention is for good for what I do, and I'm not out to hurt anybody, I don't have a problem being the way I am. And uh, and I'm a natural nonconformist. There you go. And that's to me, you know, you're a true, a true, uh, being true to yourself. 
Yeah. And, I, and you know, like I, I had that conversation with my wife this week. I'm like, I'm 45 and, you know, like I need to shut that voice down. And I've learned, call it wisdom, call it growing up um, to to shut it up because you, you want to be um, part of the convention and part of, you know, like the the mass. But don't don't get me wrong or don't get what I'm saying wrong. It still screams in in my guts because I'm a natural nonconformist. I'm a natural, almost like an anarchist. Mm. It screams. Not that it's not painful. It's just that, you know, like most of the time when I join mass, I've got that little voice inside me is like, fuck them all. You know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, you know, like sometimes, you know, like sometimes I fully disagree with that voice, but sometimes I do agree, but shut up anyway, because I know that, you know, like I, I, I could easily fall because don't, you know, like my, in my, in my high school years, I was actually you know, like that first one out of the classroom, you know, like, you know, like calling it a strike. With you know, like with the ush ush of of my peers saying, "Hey, if you go out, we're gonna follow you. We're gonna follow you, buddy." And then I would be the first one out alone, and just turn around and said, "Guys," and they're like, "Oh no, no, no!" But you know, like, well, you know, we're never gonna do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 realizing that if I listened, um, the first job, actually, the first job I got, um, that manager. Uh, it's it's a it's a chicken serving chain here in Quebec called Saint Sebastian, and, and you know like they're super strict on you know like some of the um, principles, and you know like they're 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 really strict, and and for for the right reasons. Um, and the guy had to let me go and explain to me what what a nonconformist was, and he's like, "That's going to be a black beast all of your life." You know, like you need to handle that. And it took a long time before I even remembered having that conversation at, with that guy. <laughs> and 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 again, you know, like it it it's not that I I always agree with that voice, or even that I listen, even less so that I listen to it. But it's still there, you know. Like it's still there, you know. Like that that um, I used to call that like almost like a schoolyard attitude, you know, like want to fight, buddy. You know, like the, you know, <laughs> it's weird. It's just weird. But at the same time, um, if I embark on something, um, if I join in on something, trust me, you know, like I'm probably your best um, team member because I'm I'm all in. Yeah, I find that with a, a lot of alcoholics is. Uh... That we do. We we do have a passion for what we do, and uh, we give it our we give it our all. Where, as they say, we're workers amongst workers. We we go out and we give it what we what we believe. But we don't half-ass it. No matter what goes on in our lives, we. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing to see that uh, they go the other way. Uh, How's your um, one of the last questions I want to ask you is if you're like, how do you how do you keep that sobriety healthy now? You know, like what's, what's your, any routines you got, you know, like you, you mentioned kind of, you're like going to work, coming back, train, you know, like get, you know, like getting yourself, keeping yourself in shape, you know, like all that stuff, but you know, like any daily routine that, you know, like you, you have in mind that, you know, like kind of keeps you 
you know, like on the tip of your toes on, 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 you said sobriety first, but you know, like, can, is there anything that you, you have in mind that, you know, like you, you know, are key assets of, you know, keeping your sobriety healthy? Uh, one of the first things is when, when I wake up in the morning, you know, before anything else is admission that I'm an alcoholic and what am I going to do about that today? Because yesterday is gone. I may not have tomorrow. It's all about what's going on in the now and having the attitude of, I have this disease in me and I think it's a disease. And how am I going to deal with this today? Am I going to let it get the best of me or am I going to, am I going to put it to rest just for today? Just have it, you know, be part of my life and I'm going to deal with it. And most days that I start off on the good attitude, I'm usually doing pretty good mentally. And uh, I can always restart my day. If things aren't going the way I like or uh, the traffic is bad or if whatever happens in my life that, that upsets me, well, why am I getting upset? You know, the world isn't conspiring against me. I almost have to laugh at myself and go, okay, start again, you know, reset the day and, uh, and think about it because don't sweat that small stuff. And, and most things that go on in life are small things that, I don't even really have to care about. Um, another thing is is uh, sharing my story because the further away I get from that drink, I may have a cloudy memory of what actually happened to myself. So for me, anytime I've been asked to speak, and it's quite often, and I do go on commitments both to institutions um, and to, uh, to other meetings, is to get that story up because I want to keep that fresh in my mind, exactly what happened and how it happened. And, and if I choose or if I, if I choose to take that first drink, because I believe the first one is a choice, I'm right back on that road because the second one is not going to be my choice. You know, I, I don't, I, I've, I've relapsed back in the day and I'm at the point now in my recovery that I realize it's a choice because I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling. And, I'm, and, and I've talked to people who have gone out after many, many years. And they said that what happened is they got out of touch with both another sober alcoholic, with meetings, and with actually hearing what they needed to hear, which is what got me to stop drinking was the way I was drinking. You know, that's what stopped me is how how bad it had become and the realization would have become. So I, th I think uh, to sum it up is keeping it up front, keeping everything up front and not sugarcoating it and not making it seem like it's a, you know, like a, a story tale or a, it was horrific. The things I, I experienced and happened to myself, if we told to the normal people out there, they would be shocked. They'd be horrified. And I need to keep that up front because that's what's waiting if I decide to let myself, let my guard down. And I'm not willing to do that today. And it's, it's, um, those are fantastic words of wisdoms. Um, and, and the reason why I'm saying that is that, you know, like I, I tend to feel bad almost on every episode to repeat myself, you know, like on some of the stories and, 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 you know, stuff that happened to me. But the truth is, is that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping it fresh. <laughs> I'm actually, yes. you know, like yes. keep, keep keeping it as, as, as close to, um, you know, like what, what it really was, 
um, and you know, like some of the stuff that you know, like it, it may sound funny, and um, it, it sure s sounds like it when you look at it from an exterior um, eye. Um, we're we're bad, you know, like and 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 you feel like shit, and you um, you're you're not doing well, you know, like and and that's that's probably the the you know, like the best thing that podcast has brought me and, and provided me is, you know, it's just a way to keep myself uh, aware of where I come from, you know, like where, where, um, and you know, like that some of the bad experience that, you know, like you, you, you can surely at some point in some of those instances laugh at them, but you know, like I felt miserable when I was going through them. Um, and it, you know, like th that, that, that podcast just, um, yeah, just keeps those memories fresh and, and relating to someone else is something that, you know, like I'd say, um, you know, it keeps the shame away from these events. Um, and that's important because, you know, like it, it, it makes you in the future sharing those stories easier. Um, and so it does two things at the same time, you know, like keeps the shame away, but keeps the memory fresh. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it, for me, it's just, uh, it's crucial because, you know, like I, 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 I have, I have stuff that I, you know, like I'm not proud of, but you know, because I've shared them and, you know, like some people that I've shared them with, you know, I like told me that, well, I've done that few, many times, you know, like I was like, oh, thank God, you know, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I, I feel less like a fucking monster and, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, like I have no shame in sharing it again. And, and, and yeah, you know, like, so, so it keeps it on the top of my mind, but at the same time, you know, like it doesn't come with that burden of, of shame and, and, and disgust about myself, you know, like, so, um, now for myself, uh, I truly believe it's a disease. And now that I'm sober, I don't do the things I used to do when I was drinking. And I, I don't put this on a moral issue because I know that um, if it was a moral issue, I'd still be the same asshole and I'd probably be doing the same things I used to do when I was drunk. But now that I took the alcohol out of my system, those things don't occur anymore. And I don't have those same thoughts towards people. And, uh, you know, I've become who I'm supposed to become. So I took the shame and guilt out of my disease. Um, and if someone looks at me... Uh, and they want to put that on a moral issue that's on them but i don't i don't carry that i completely believe that you know i was born with this and uh, i'll die with this i'll die with alcoholism not from alcoholism um, but i'll i'll raise my head proudly and to say i'm a recovering alcoholic i no longer drink or take drugs and uh i'm a i'm a productive member of society today and i you know i'm not the best i'm not the worst I'm another bozo on the bus. I'm just doing my part, you know, but I'm doing it today and, and I'm sharing it. So in the hopes that someone who hears knows that there's hope for everybody, you know, it's, there's plenty of alcoholics who, who need this, who need to get sober and who need to, to find a different way, but it's not for everyone. It's for the people who really want it and, and work for it. Because if, uh, you know, you look at the statistics and how many people actually get sober and stay sober they're very low and that's not to be um you know that's not to say it can't happen for everybody 
but it's such a gripping disease and it's it's a disease of the mind it centers in my mind it lies to me it tells me what what i want to hear and i believe my own lies and uh if you know we can do anything like your podcast and people speaking on it can just help one person you know we've done great things for this world and, uh, you know there's no greater joy in, in seeing another alcoholic get it or another addict uh, they just get it and they realize hey you know what i can do this too it's a beautiful i can assure you that you know like and i i wouldn't have believed it if it wasn't for people telling me um that you know like it it it, it seems to help and you know like i um i i would i would almost say that you know like it's is it is it because um there seems to be very little of you know like the online social media presence of, of some of the biggest bigger institutions um maybe it is and you know like i can't wait for um i can't wait for the bigger institutions and i mean by that you know like even like the some of the you know 12, 12 step based bigger organization to be part of that 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 new media platform and you know like to be part of um because even to this day it's hard to find and you know like we sport we spoke before starting the recording that you know like it's hard to find um a podcast based on sharing for example you know or a yes. podcast based yeah. on you know um and i you know like i, I had um i had some two specials that I recorded last holiday season and one was about um like the the social gathering so most of the Christmas party but you know like the second one was mostly around um the youth and the some of the fraternities and you know like how did they identify themselves and you know like was it was it harder for a younger individual to you know like to identify himself um to some some of these fraternities that are aging and maybe not the best uh, and uh we had an interesting conversation about the fact that there's you know like so much publicity for whatever you know like you know like trimming whatever you know like you know like trimming your beard and you know like whatever the fuck we see on on instagram and, and facebook and so on and um but none of these publicity are around, you know, like getting sober and using some of the twelve-step programs out there. That's been that's been out for over a hundred years. Um, we don't see any of those, and you know, like it's. I think it's a shame. Um, and so, I I I can't wait for others to you know like to join that movement and to join that journey. Um, I love doing that. Don't get don't get me wrong, and I'm, I don't feel. That you know, like it, it, it would be competition. It would just be, you know, like kind of joining force and and trying to reach to reach out and you know, um, just reaching out. You know, like and 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 yeah, and you know, like I'm I'm gonna finally conclude that you know, like Greg, you, you're part of that. You know, like you know, like I see people writing to me. You know, like that. You know, like they enjoy the episodes because you know, like they they find um, one sentence one you know, like kind of one moment in, in people's life story that, you know, like they identify with and, um, and to be quite fair, you know, like some of these people that write to me tells me that, you know, like they have a hard time going into meeting rooms. They have a hard time. Um, they, you know, like they're, they're for some, they're more introverts than other. And they have, you know, like they, they're, they're finding it hard to, um, find themselves at home um within one place or another and 
listening to these to these podcasts. There's a few now. Uh, there's there's a few out, but you know, like listen to these podcasts. Help them, you know, like either keeping recovery or uh, envisioning it as an option and an optimistic option that you know, like that wasn't in their life before that. Um, and you know, like you you've joined in on that, and you know, like appreciate it, and I thank you for that. You're very welcome. I just want to tell anyone listening that you're worth it. You know, you have an opportunity to to find sobriety. You know, it, it is tough. There's no doubt about it. There's, there's no easy path to it, but it's uh, definitely a rewarding and you're definitely worth, you know, taking the time to find yourself. And uh, and the people in, that you'll find in, in recovery want nothing else for you but for you to do well, to remain clean and sober and, and to just get healthy. You know, people don't they don't care about money. They don't care about what your job is. They don't care about where you come from. They just want to see everyone succeed. That's been my experience from everyone I've met in, in my recovery and that path I've been following. And that's very positive. And that's, and that's what I hope to share and uh, have people, you know, find for themselves. Again, Greg, thank you a lot. You know, like, do you share, you know, like, do do are you present on, on any social media? Do you, do you share, um, I don't know, like, you know, like some share wisdom, some share, um, you know, like that they, they try to be inspirational on social media. Do you, do you do any of that? You know, like, can people find you somewhere? Yeah, I'm on Instagram and, uh, it's my name. It's, uh, Greg, G R E G chain, C H A N E. Um, my, in, my anonymity, uh, I don't really have one. Everyone knew I was a drunk and uh, everyone knows I'm sober. So I'm not really, I'm not, uh, putting any one plan out there. I'm just putting uh, sobriety and recovery out there. So if they wanted to look me up on there, I put inspirational quotes. I put uh, my life as it is now and sharing with family. And, and uh, I'm also on Facebook and uh, it says right on both accounts, you know, there's my sobriety date. I've been sober since then. And, uh, and it's happened that people who have seen that have messaged me, uh, old classmates have messaged me and said, uh, I knew you, how you used to be and how did you do that? And can you help me? So I'm, I'm not, wow. I'm not, uh, putting it out there as a, a look at me. I'm putting it out there as uh you can do it too. And I'm going to repeat that story because you know, like for me, it's important because some people are just so freaking afraid about, you know, the anonymity of it all. And, uh, I'm going to repeat that story because I've shared that with Macy last, last week or a few weeks ago. And, um, the origin of it all, you know, like was that, you know, like there was some county and some some states that would jail people just under the suspicious that they were using. Right. Um, and hence why, you know, like if you if you do some of the research and find some of the archive photos of the first meetings, you'd see people wearing masks because they didn't want to be uh, identified as as drug or alcohol users and not be thrown in jail. And hence why anonymity was so important back in the time, back in the days. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like, so please don't interpret people that decide to, um, and you said it best, Greg, you know, like, you, you know, like you, you didn't hide from being a drunk and, you know, and I didn't hide from being, you know, like a, a you know, like a, a bit of a waste <laughs> resource of society. Um, so why would I, you know, like, why would I hide myself from being 
a better man and a better individual in society. You know, like it would be, it would be a shame and a waste again, you know, like, so, so I, yeah, I, I, and I, I think I've, you know, like I've, since I've seen those photos and since I've seen the true origin and the true reason why it originated and be, you know, was so important back then, um, I'm going to keep repeating it on that podcast because it's important for people to understand that. And we're, we're in a, you know, like we're, we're in a era of, um, people need to hear us out, um, talking about the benefits and, you know, like what good it brings to, to being sober. So, and you, 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 you know, like the minimum is that, you know, like we can't really do that just showing wisdom out there, you know, like without, without a face and without, you know, like a, a human being behind it. Right. Um, all right, Greg, thanks a lot. Really appreciated your time. And, you know, like, um, um, the, uh, Instagram handle that you just mentioned is going to be found and, you know, below on the, on the, uh, podcast episode description. And, uh, again, thanks you for your time. Really appreciate it. And, you know, like I wish, uh, I wish you the best. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.